The Midwife Crisis Podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. Greetings, I'm Kate. Peace, I'm PR, and this is The Midwife Crisis, because it's not just you. Today, we're going to going to discuss a topic that's important for all people with uteruses, their partners, if present, their families and babies. And that topic is doulas. Yay! We are so fortunate today to have two wonderful doulas from our community, Sci Honor Devotion and Cynthia Hayes. Welcome. Applause. Yay! Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you. For having us. Thank you. Yes. So Scion or Devotion is a labor doula, a postpartum doula, a childbirth educator, a home birth midwife assistant, women's, and a women's reproductive health advocate who serves women and girls in her community through workshop, ceremony, and rites of passage. Sayonar has been in the field of women's reproductive health since 1999 when she became pregnant with her first child. She began her journey training and certifying as a labor doula with Doulas of North America or DONA in 2001. She also trained with the Childbirth and Postpartum Professional Association or CAPA and became a certified childbirth educator and postpartum doula in 2004. She has continued to take trainings and gain certifications through the years. She's trained over 40 doulas through her rigorous 14-month doula training in the New England and NYC tri-state areas. Sayonar is currently a midwifery student training. Awesome! Yay! Um, so that she can support out-of-hospital births. Cynthia is a donor-trained postpartum doula of 16 years, presently certified as an interdisciplinary doula through Earth's Natural Touch, Birth Care and Beyond, this organization is comprised of doulas and other perinatal professionals that provides training, lectures, educational, and community service workshops. She is also a member of Postpartum Support International, the Connecticut chapter. This is a worldwide nonprofit organization dedicated to addressing perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. This is super important. So important and needed. They mm-hmm. offer support in small groups to address these and similar issues. So we have some experts here on our hands. That's right. And they've also both been active in getting legislation to cover doula services here in the state of Connecticut, which is enormous. So thank you both so much. Thank you. you. Did you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Sure. I'm Sayana. Um, In addition to those things, I just want to say that I'm a mother first. I have two children. They're both in college now, which has allowed me to be in a position to continue my education, to become a midwife. Um, so I think that that's really important to say. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it and is. we so welcome you in that community. Thank you. Yes. And I, too, am a mother of three. Nice. And um, my youngest is 21. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and so now this also frees me up to do all of the work that I love to do as well. That's awesome. Great. Great. Thank you, Cynthia and Sayonar. We're um, mamas too, so yes, we, we get are. It. <laughs> we are. I, we were talking a little bit about our children mm-hmm. before the before the program started. Yes. I have three, and Kate has two, and together we all have a lot of kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. A gaggle, um, and not a destruction. Nope, not a destruction. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um, Today we thought we might scratch the surface because the topic of doulas is not um, it's not a superficial one. It's a, it's a deep topic, but 
Um, we would like to kind of talk about their roles in the birth process and how they have and are currently influencing birth outcomes in the community. Um, we have mentioned doulas previously on mm-hmm. our on our uh, program, yep. and it's just been in passing. And we really wanted our listeners to have a clear um, sort of understanding about doulas, just like we went in depth on midwives, and we've had physicians and. Doulas are an important part of this of the birthing community, and so that's why it's time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely time. So first, let's talk about the role of the doula. Why does someone choose to have a doula? What is your role, and why would someone say, I think I would like a doula to assist? Kind of depends on who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people want to have a doula because they want to be comforted while they're in labor. Um, some women are hiring doulas now because they feel like um, they need to be protected in a way. So it kind of depends on who that person is. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, do you have anything to add? Yeah, um, I had primarily been a postpartum doula. And to be honest with you, there were many women that quite didn't know how I would fit into the Mm -hmm. scheme of things, um, but they heard that they should have one. Mm -hmm. And some had birth doulas, and there were some times I would meet mothers in the hospital, but mostly with them at home and even um, prenatal just to try to get them to think about planning their birth and think about a postpartum plan, which is also just as important. So it it depends. I don't think there's any clear-cut answer and we talk about educating the community all the time so we we still need to do a lot of that when do you um when do you all start working with a family or a pregnant woman Mm. um like what at what point you were talking about postpartum so that's after um the baby is born for those who may not know and um at what point do you get started so a birth doula would typically get started whenever the person contacts them um, to at least maintain some sort of contact until things start picking up toward the end of the pregnancy in the third trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, some women contact you literally. I got a call the day after a woman's due date just a few <laughs> weeks ago. Whoa. <laughs> um, but sometimes they call you early and sometimes yeah. they call you even before they get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically in the third trimester, you really want to start to meet with the family and start to prepare for the upcoming labor and birth and mm-hmm. to also start working on that postpartum plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then postpartum doulas kind of come in, you know, after okay. the birth doula has done their typical postpartum visits, um, then a postpartum doula would step in. Mm-hmm. So how many families do you guys take care of at one time? Like, because if you have someone mm-hmm. in labor and then someone calls you and <laughs> says, I need my doula because right. I'm having contractions or whatever, because you're going to their homes with them, right? Yep. Like, Yes. Um, well, postpartum is a little easier um, to plan, but sometimes it, it hasn't been. Um, try not to do too much overlapping because most of the postpartum patients that I worked with needed me for several weeks and mm. I would get a little burnt out because every other night I am at I'm somewhere in usually Fairfield County. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I know it's much different um, and there's a lot more planning for those that are birth doulas. Right. right. 
So um, fortunately, we have a large team of doulas here. So we are able to um, make sure that we have backup support just in case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you don't really want to schedule your families too close together. Um, But if you do need somebody to kind of go and step in for you until you can get there, we do have that in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was part of the reason why I started the training in in the first place, Mm -hmm. because... um, when I got here to Connecticut from New York, I didn't really see too many doulas who looked like me. Mm. And um, I'd searched and then I found a few. One was an older woman who was taking care of her elderly mom. And one was a younger woman who was still building her family. Mm-hmm. And, and then one was a transplant from another state who was planning to leave. And so I realized that in order for me to do this work, I wanted to make sure that I had competent backup. I mm-hmm. didn't want to just have anybody to be my backup doula. Right. I wanted them to have the same information that mm-hmm. I had so mm-hmm. that if my families needed a substitute, that person would be just as informed as I was. Mm-hmm. And so that's what prompted me to start this training program. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the state of Connecticut really didn't have um, t- not too many doulas in the first place, but yeah. then um, there weren't that many black and brown doulas at all. Mm-hmm. There was me that came much <laughs> right <laughs> later afterwards. We kind of like oh, found each other. Right. Oh, that's that's, that's really um, that's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that I was a doula while I was a student, and um, I y- you were talking about black and brown doulas and so forth. Uh, I never had a white client. Mm-hmm. because people so I would go to classes to childbirth classes and sort of that's where I mm-hmm. sort of called clientele right and tell them what I could do for them and that kind right. of thing but I never got picked by anyone who wasn't white mm-hmm. which is very interesting mm-hmm. people I guess they're more comfortable with who looks like them most of the time right when you make a personal selection when you're going for medical care you take all comers and vice versa mm-hmm. so it, it, that's not an issue, but if you're sort of like, it's like going to the store and I'm going to pick mm-hmm. green apples over red apples because I like green apples better and, or whatever. And they I tolerate them better, that kind of thing. So anyways, I just thought that was just something that just came mm-hmm. to the top of my mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. is that I've never had, I never had a, and I, had, I didn't have any pregnant women who were. Yeah. So actually anyways. one of my favorite experiences with a doula was uh, while I was working as a labor and birth nurse still. And I had a, patient um who was a black woman who had a fetal demise Mm -hmm. and um she had a a doula with her um that was a a, a white doula Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting that you guys have all sort of seen that but in my literally most favorite sort of doula scenario I mean it was an awful scenario but to have Mm -hmm. that support in that scenario was so imperative um, you know, just to have someone there devoted to her, caring for her was so beautiful. And uh, to this day, I, I, it's always what, what a doula means to me right. mm-hmm. is someone who's there for you no matter what, thick or thin. That's um, right. And it was it was such a beautiful experience, mm-hmm. truly. Um, so it's interesting because mine was sort of the, the combo of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I think it's, well, you can go on. Sorry, I'm well, not gonna. I'm not gonna dominate. I could talk to y'all all day no, long no. and just take over the conversation. <laughs> no, 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 I think I think um, you know something that's interesting is that as you've said, people have all different 
reasons why they seek out mm-hmm. doula care. And, and certainly in that one scenario, it, there it was a, a good reason is that they really felt that they needed a lot of extra support. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do you think more people don't use doulas or talk about the fact that they had doulas? Um, you know, why, why don't you think that's like an upfront part of women's health care? Yeah, because when they they'll they'll ta- they'll say my midwife said, mm-hmm. my doctor said, right. and they know good and well they paid whatever for mm-hmm. their doula, but they didn't say my doula did or said whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I very haven't really had too many of those experiences. Um, the people who have worked with us are pretty proud to say that they were able to have a doula, mm-hmm. um, whether they paid for that doula or they got the doula through a program that mm-hmm. paid the doula. Um, they were always very happy and appreciative mm-hmm. and just very proud to say that they had that that support. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more people are not hiring doulas um, because a lot of people don't really understand what we do still. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely don't understand the benefits that come along with the doula as far as the medical benefits. Um, and many people can't afford it. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, um, my experience was that I was working with about 95 percent white women mm-hmm. postpartum in Fairfield County that mm-hmm. could afford mm-hmm. to have doulas. Um, and I it's funny because I didn't even think, well, my first thought when I first entered into the profession was that, you know, they are the families that can actually afford to hire doulas and it wasn't until um I got to know Sayana and all the work that she was doing and it was like oh I it is my dream to work with black families Mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately there aren't a lot of programs is there any there might be some isolated programs that actually work with um, black families or low-income families or uh, teen moms and mm-hmm. teen parents, but not that many. And so even though I had created, like, the framework for a program, it was like, well, how am I going to get clients if they have to pay for it and they can't afford right to yeah. pay for it? And then there's that whole educational piece that we often talk about. Um, even the more affluent families were not quite, I mean, they were still, well, we'll talk about that a little later, but they weren't enjoying uh, great birth experiences mm-hmm. and outcomes either. So it was like, what is going on here? I mean, there's so many people that need us, but there needs to be that educational piece to let parents know that they do have yeah. choices. You know, I'm taking a moment. I don't know that we actually said exactly what a doula does. So, and you, you know, we're now we're now a couple minutes into the podcast. I'm like, wait a second. Did we actually do that? So if you guys wouldn't mind briefly just mm-hmm. saying um, sort of what a doula does yeah. and maybe um, what kind of training you have, that would be wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, We went over your training a little bit in the beginning we when we talked excited. about your bios. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Dove just right how that affects. Right. We did dive right in. And so what is it? I mean, it, it, we're t- using the term doula like mm-hmm. it's magical, but we're not really saying like day to day what it is that you're doing in intrapartum or in the postpartum experience. Right. What kind of services are you providing? And who I think it's really important to point out to whom you are providing them mm-hmm. because people will say, 
well, she has a midwife. Why does she need a doula? And mm-hmm. I'm correct. Like, you are misunderstanding roles here. Right. Right. So I, why don't you enlighten everyone? <laughs> you, so a doula could be, um, she could be your homegirl, she could be your auntie, she could be your mom, she can be whoever you need her to be um, to mm-hmm. support you through your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum period. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's there to kind of give you a lot of informational support, physical support, emotional support, mm-hmm. um, even logistical support to make sure that you've gotten things taken care of that maybe you didn't realize need to be taken care of. Um and um, she's there consistently. Mm-hmm. So she's somebody that you can text, you can call, who will come and check on you um, to make sure that you're getting nourishing foods in the mm-hmm. postpartum period or just during your pregnancy or whatever mm-hmm. period it is that you need mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, she's there during the entire labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. So she's there supporting you, supporting your partner or your family, whoever else is there, Mm -hmm. if there is anyone else, Mm -hmm. um, to help them to be involved in taking care of you as well. Mm -hmm. And then helping you to adjust in that postpartum period. Um, And so we know that just by having that support, there are some benefits that come along with it including um, less interventions, mm-hmm. um, increased breastfeeding initiation, less cesarean section rates, um, things like that that are really important to um, yeah. a mother's outcome. Things that we're getting with midwives. So if we have a midwife and a doula, like a tag team, dynamic what, duo. what, what right. can we not do, <laughs> right. you know? Right. right. Also, you know, the doula is there for those things, but the midwife is the clinical provider. She's right. the one who is right. taking care of all of your medical needs right. and making sure that you and baby are well. So we appreciate that distinction because I think that is something that is very confusing for people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if, they're, if they're not, and it's an important distinction because, um, you know, even sometimes I think with, with, patients they Mm -hmm. they may sort of have some confusion they may be Mm -hmm. asking you something and you may need to say oh you know I think that's fine but you should check with your midwife (laughs) you know because um because there is that sort of background training now Mm -hmm. certainly you're going to be you're going to be a double whammy with your midwife training but not (laughs) every doula is going to have that right right that's right and you know the doulas come from all different types of background Mm -hmm. as well I mean there are some that do have medical training Mm -hmm. we have some PhD candidates we have social workers we have stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. um there's all different types of backgrounds but all of them especially those that are coming um, through our collective are trained professionals and they're not medical um, they're not medically trained however we do uh, go through that rigorous program to make sure that we're aware of terminology and to understand you know physiologically what the mother and even psychiatrists psychologically what the mother and the family might be um, going through Mm -hmm. as well. That's why we're able to provide that much needed support. So when, uh, when patients, families are looking for a doula, what should they be looking for as to know that that person is adequately trained? Because that's really important in terms of connection. If you have someone who's going to be spending that kind of time and intimate time Mm -hmm. with you, not just in giving birth, but postpartum period also when your emotions are like a roller coaster and who knows what your house looks like and your whole situation. Right. And you're trying to get used to this human Mm -hmm. who you just dropped out of the sky. Right. So of your uterus, which is the sky. Right. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's, um, speak. (laughs) I think that, um, 
There is a saying that one of my sister doulas, who's a mentor of mine, she says, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And Mm. that is really important when you are a doula caring for somebody. Mm -hmm. What you know is really important. um, But if you care, Mm -hmm. that's probably even more important to some people. Because Mm -hmm. we know that just having someone in the room with you who doesn't even say a word can have an influence on your birth outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have someone who is additionally trained on top Mm -hmm. of all of those things, that makes it even better. Mm -hmm. So most doula trainings are about three to four days. Um, our doula training is 14 months. Um, it's wow. really, really intense. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I think that's amazing to have training like that where you know that everyone who's on your team is consistent. Exactly. Like, that's right. I mean, everyone has their own style, but you have the consi- they have consistent right. um, credentials. That's right. We are a big pile of personalities. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, the training is consistent. Everybody has the same information. And I think because one of our goals is to tackle the disparities in birth, it's really important for us to be aware of the social determinants of health and mm-hmm. to be able to address those mm-hmm. and identify those and somehow mitigate, you know, and make things easier um, for those who are experiencing those things, which mm-hmm. takes off a lot of stress on that family. Yeah, that's right. Um, so our role is a little bit different depending on the population that we're working for, because some people have different needs than others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about in the postpartum period? Huh. I would say that um, there's a lot. I mean, yeah, you can't get any more intimate than actually attending someone's birth and, and seeing all of that. But the postpartum, you know, is a very um, touchy time as well. Um, you can have the doula there um, doing even informally some kind of assessment as to mom's pain, mm-hmm. um, helping her, of course, with lactation mm-hmm. Um also making an assessment with regard to any kind of, you know, emotional um, needs or some of the other um, stress factors, just trying to, you know, maneuver through her home now with the baby right. and, mm-hmm. and all of those types of things. So um, you have to be a very good and clear communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, backing up just a, a minute, it it makes sense that even a postpartum doula meets with the family and gets to know them a little bit during mm-hmm. the pregnancy. And I often would do that. And, you know, then a lot of times we figure out what it is that they need and don't need. And, you know, there's a lot of um, wisdom, like as a not only as a doula, but just as a, a parent, as a mother um, that I can impart as well. And so um, you you become very close to some of the families, even though I didn't think that that would happen. Yeah. Um, I was just becoming a doula so I can get money to buy my first house. So, <laughs> and I said, oh, and I could I could be a doula and do this. And, you know, yeah. so but it, it just became so much more. So, yeah. Do most doulas have other jobs outside of practicing? Well, we have to um, right now because not everyone can can pay. can pay. I mean, and and this even though it's not as we said before, this isn't a new profession, right. but it's kind of new in the way that I, I could say that we are presenting to the different populations that are here in Connecticut. Even when I was doing it, I was like, this there's something else that's that's going on here for anyone that is giving birth. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's something that um, PR and I both feel so strongly about yeah. is that we are with every person 
that needs us. So anyone right. with a uterus, I don't care if it's a he, she, right. them, what stage of their life they're right. in, what season of their of their life they're in, we want to be able to provide for them. That's right. Um, and we both come from sort of working in this area mm-hmm. and wanting to make sure that we really can take care of the whole gambit. So whether right, that's right. a teenager or someone who is, um, you know, considered poor, or someone who's really well off and well educated, and, right. and and everyone in between, um, because everyone sort of deserve, deserves that support. And so what I'm hearing from you is yes. that that's sort of what you guys are trying to accomplish as well. Is that absolutely. everyone deserves? We feel everyone deserves a midwife, and you're saying also, and everyone deserves a doula, right. which is absolutely <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. We learn a lot also. In the in our efforts to be those kinds of providers, you wind up learning from everyone. Mm-hmm. That's true. You learn something from everyone, and you don't take it personally. You say, no. "I mean, it enriches us." Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah. What would you uh, would you both want to touch on? Just maybe what you can recall as your most rewarding or like favorite experience uh, being doulas, and then maybe what's your most challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of difficult because there's so many experiences mm-hmm. that you right. kind of just love yeah. and so many families yeah. that you connect to and, um, you know, now are part of the family in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of my favorite experiences was with a woman who, um, called me just days before her due date and, um, I attended her birth at a birth center. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, the midwife said, well, how long have you guys been best friends? And we oh, were like, wow. we don't even know each other. <laughs> that we was, barely know each other. You did well. Um, you both did very well. Yeah. And that. she let me name her daughter. So. <gasps> oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is incredible. That that's is, amazing. That, that is. is incredible. Yeah. That's a big, that's a huge statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the most challenging was um, supporting a teen mom in Harlem, New York. Um, she went into labor and we were kind of just going through the early stages and walking on 125th street. Mm -hmm. And, um, she finally went into the hospital and it was time for her to have her baby. She didn't want an episiotomy. Um, Mm -hmm. and they didn't allow her much movement. Um, and before I could say anything, the doctor gave her an episiotomy without Mm -hmm. asking. And so of course, you know, labor has to go on and she's clueless as to, you know, this happening and um, eventually uh, she wanted to breastfeed the baby and she was not getting any support. So mm-hmm. she called me and she was crying and, you know, she needed somebody to come and help her. So I'm calling all around the hospital and I finally got to someone and the person said, oh, I know who that is. Um, she's a teenager, right? She probably doesn't even want to breastfeed anyway. Oh. Yeah, And so I had to truck down to her um, to help her to get the baby latched. Mm. And um, I went to visit her postpartum and she was she continued to breastfeed and she kept that up for months. Um, But she also had a catheter bag because Mm. she was damaged and wasn't able to urinate. Urinate. And so that was pretty um, difficult, you know, for her to go through. And Mm -hmm. it kind of hurt me to see that she had to experience that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's just let it be known to all of our listeners, um, that is assault, that is mutilation. You need to ask permission before you do anything to a patient. And, you know, we believe really distinctly in informed consent. And 
that doesn't yes. sound like any consent. No. And so that that is a problem. And we're seeing that come up more and more. You know, you're yes. seeing articles where women are suing yeah. their obstetric providers yes. because they are being assaulted. Yep. And yeah. it's really real. And, and on one side, we know obstetrics is such a high litigation field. And so people feel like they have to have their defense up. But then mm -hmm. now women and families and patients have their defense up. And right, so right. what's that? You know, knuckles meeting knuckles is not mm -hmm. going to get you anywhere. So um, so that's terrible. And right. I'm glad that you <laughs> are there for women to help try to educate them and support them and yeah, talk yeah. to them and help them make those decisions. And and we do know that there are emergencies, but it certainly doesn't sound like that was one. Right. So no. she, Oof. they mm. just didn't allow her to do what she needed to do, what her right. body needed to do. Yeah. Right. They did what yeah. was most easiest. And they weren't them. giving her any kind of resources to try and mm. um, begin her efforts as a solid mother. Like yeah. she right. wanted to right. breastfeed and she's so mm -hmm. this is going to affect her as she mothers this child yep. in, into adulthood. Absolutely. And she already is, uh, you know, the fact that she's an adolescent yep. and an adolescent of color and she's living wherever she was living. And so it's just really we're going to talk about that a little in a little mm -hmm. bit in our program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you want to share a, 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 a yeah. yay and an a? Yeah. Um, I'm Two did pop into my mind. I, I, I can't imagine that I just had two, but um, one of the, uh, they probably will both sound challenging, <laughs> but um, one thing I had noticed, and Sianna knows this from me saying it so many times, is that there were many families that were transient um, that are probably still in um, Fairfield County, and there was a mom and um, her husband, he was a little older, this was their first baby. Um, his parents were, were older still, and they didn't live too far, but her mom was way over on the uh, West Coast. And um, I had met with them before she actually had the baby, and so I, I get there, and, you know, it's like mom is crying, the baby is crying, yeah. and the father looks like he wants to cry. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, thank God you're here. And I was like, oh, my God, well, wait, what what's going, what's going on? And... Um, he said, I don't think that, you know, she ate and the baby keeps crying and she's trying to nurse. And mm -hmm. she said, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I and it was like kind of the first time that I was really like challenged. And I was like, oh, what am I going to tell these Where do you start? grown people yeah. um, how to take care of themselves and their baby? And so I just literally it's like I this is when I, I think I began to realize that I was really meant to do this. I said, OK, everybody just go upstairs, go to bed. They were like, no, I said, everybody <laughs> take off your clothes and go. And everybody, everybody just go upstairs, bed. everybody to bed. Mom, I, I was like, I'll make sure that the baby is latched and that you're comfortable and all and did all of that assessment. And it was like, I didn't even know how. I mean, that, it wasn't until later that I got a significant training. Um, and then I said, did you eat? She was like, I can't remember. You know, it was like that type of thing. And it was like, oh, my God, this poor woman. So I went downstairs. I was like, okay, I'll just find something. Is there anything downstairs you don't want to eat? She was like, I don't know. I just fixed. I don't even know what, what kind of food I fixed. And then I brought it to them. And they were just like, thank you, thank you. And even yeah. after uh, they had their second baby, and actually invited me to come. It was a little bit more than a doula role, but she really, her and her husband wanted to go away um, to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. um, they, He was going away for business, and she was like, I can't trust anybody. I just don't want anybody here but you. And I, and I was like, again, I was like, what? I'm going to stay <laughs> with these babies, and, and, and it was fine. I think one of the more challenging, um, even though that was challenge enough, but it had a happy outcome. This one had a happy outcome, but it, it was breaking my heart. There was a, a mother who was a social worker, and she was suffering um, with depression mm -hmm. 
and she just couldn't bond with her baby and her husband was just kind of like desperate. Her mother was really a no help and she she had she was having a tough time for a lot of reasons. Long story short, um I was there, you know, and she was asking me if she can hold the baby. And it, it was really just like heartbreaking. Yeah. I was like, of course you can. I was there with her like around the clock yeah. helping her to, you know, showing her how to bathe the baby and do all these things. And she didn't want a nurse um, because of uh, past trauma that she's had. And finally, you know, there was one day, one evening I was there and the baby was just crying inconsolably. And then she finally like reached out. And she said, can I hold him? And I was like, of course you can hold him. And then when he stopped crying immediately, it's like I had to excuse myself. I was like, oh, my God, crying. Because, you know, just to see that. But it was it was really heartbreaking to kind of get her. It took a long time. I mean, she was on medication. Yeah. She was seeing a therapist. But, you know, to know that I, it was just kind of a scary thing. I didn't get any sleep <laughs> because I was just so worried and so concerned because sometimes she would just come downstairs and just kind of like look at him like, oh, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, what is going to happen with this mother and baby? But yeah. now um, um, I found out that they're doing very well. He was from um, he was French and then they moved back there and they're they're living a very good life but it, it was a little touch and go there yeah. so it was, it was quite challenging for me <laughs> you know yeah. and and I didn't even really know what to say and that's when I started like digging into books and researching like what do you do with a mm -hmm. mother who's having these types of challenges and yeah. issues so wow well thank you so much for what you do oh my gosh <laughs> both of you yes and for sharing yeah. that we're going to switch gears a little when we come back with our guests, two local duelists, Sayonara Devotion and Cynthia Hayes. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, my name is Josh Levinson from the Between Two Rocks podcast here at Baobab Tree Studios, and I want to share all of the wonderful people I know in New Haven with you. From restaurant owners to painters, photographers to small business owners, political activists and city officials, we discuss issues you care about and then make fun of them. Join us the Between Two Rocks podcast wherever you get podcasts today. Okay, welcome back to the Midwife Crisis podcast, where today we are discussing doulas and their roles and how they're just you know, fixing the world. And thank you again to Sai Honor Devotion and Cynthia Hayes for being here. Thank you. Thank you. For yes, thank us. you. Uh, in each episode, we like to take a peek at the intersection of culture, race, and sexuality when we discuss topics. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly important, I think, um, with regard to the work that you all do. Um, we were talking about it a little bit before the break when we were discussing issues with um, clients who might be of a certain color, culture, and just their, their experiences. In 2019, there were numerous articles, including one in the Huffington Post, Huffington Post, pardon me, that addressed the maternal mortality crisis in black women and how it has been worsening despite the amount of money we throw at the problem and despite talking about how doulas can help. In 2017, ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, commented that maternal health disparities cannot be reversed without addressing racial bias. And that's something that, while many people are members of ACOG, when these kind of comments come out, they kind of lean back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to lean in uh, mm -hmm. because that's how we're going to try and remedy it. But any, that's personal commentary there. 
In our own podcast, we've quoted stats of black women dying three to four times the rates of white women and that black babies die at twice the rate of whites. And that was in 2019. That's not in 1919. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I can you shed some light for us on how I'm already a believer, but how um, we already talked a little bit about how some people feel like having a doula is considered a luxury and who hires you and who doesn't. But how can your services help with this problem, help with this issue? Because I think that it can. I think it needs to be discussed more and made more public. And Mm -hmm. your role needs to be sort of um, promoted. Right. So I think it's really important for us to recognize um, before we go any further that um, exposure to racism is the risk factor and it's not race. So being a black woman in America um, is not what is causing this problem. Mm -hmm. It is um, being imposed on the black women who are having babies here. Mm -hmm. Um, So doulas are in a position where... um, Firstly, we can start to educate people, um, start to prepare them even before they get pregnant um, and um, support them throughout the pregnancy and, of course, postpartum, but also helping to mitigate some of the um, institutional biases that are imposed on them in different stages throughout their process. Mm -hmm. So as they're going through their regular daily routine, they're coming in contact with so many different things that a typical white woman may not experience. So I always use um, the example of um, one day my son came home He was home from college and he was hanging out with friends. It was about eight o'clock at night and he walked through the door and he had a hood on his head. Mm -hmm. And so as a black mother, that is like one Mm -hmm. of the scariest Mm -hmm. things that we could probably ever see. Right. Is our black child um, with a hood on their head at eight o'clock at night Mm -hmm. in the dark. Um, Whereas white women don't have those same concerns. And so these are the constant stresses that black women have to experience on a regular basis Mm -hmm. or if you're living in a particular area um, in Bridgeport there was a shooting at the courthouse a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and um, I should probably let Cynthia talk more (laughs) about this but you know we the first thing we do is say oh my goodness who was it you know is it somebody that we know and so we're constantly experiencing Mm -hmm. this trauma and this stress um, on top of just the things that we have to go through on a regular basis, you know, whether it be transportation or food insecurity or housing mm-hmm. issues or, you know, discrimination at work, concerns about our hair. Are they going to understand my name? You know, are they going to think I'm a mad black woman? Mm-hmm. All of these different things come into play. Um, and this chronic stress and just um, discrimination have a huge impact on our birth outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so we know that even outside of all of those things, doulas can impact birth outcomes in a positive way mm-hmm. by helping to improve um, the health outcomes of the mother and the baby. So when you add a doula to a stressful situation who is culturally aware and um, similar and can relate to the experiences that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. um, that can kind of I don't want to say deflect, but it can act as a barrier mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person can be a support system when you're experiencing those things. How do you um, do that? 
So doing that? there are a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, one is to just be there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we just know just having somebody that they can call. Mm -hmm. um, but like we were saying earlier in our training, if you really want to have an, uh, an effect on making a change with the disparities, you really have to be in tune with what the community already has. Mm -hmm. So we have the answers. We have the solutions. We just have to reach out and find them. So sometimes mothers... Um, just need diapers. Okay, who has, uh, you know, a diaper bank? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an issue with housing. Who can I call to say that she needs help with her rent this month? You know, all of those different things come into play with um, with trying to make changes when it comes to birth outcomes. Yeah. And it seems so distant, but it's really not. And I know that that's not the typical role of a doula because I, one of the questions you asked earlier um it, it made me realize that, you know, the majority of the doulas who are in this country are white, middle class, married women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they're not running out trying to find out who has diapers mm -hmm. for the women that they're serving. Yeah. But when you're working in certain populations as a doula, your role is just slightly different Absolutely. than what it could be in another area. Mm -hmm. um, particularly if your goal is to impact these disparities, mm -hmm. which ours is. So. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that we're also realizing, too, that um, and I know that it's been highlighted in, in a lot of different um, media that this is happening to black women regardless of their socioeconomic status. But right. what people don't realize mm -hmm. is that weathering is really taking its toll yep. on the so-called middle class educated black woman because they are the ones that are, you know, out there trying to, you know, be those, you know, 10 different kinds of woman, right. woman <laughs> and depending on what scenario or situation right. that they're in. And um, I, gosh, I hope I'm not going so far as to say that I think it's been my recent experience that many of them don't even realize that and so your typical like so-called bad outcome mm -hmm. um where you're trying to um, situate yourself so that you can have an unmedicated vaginal birth mm -hmm. and you know just come through unscathed mm -hmm. and get that baby breastfeeding a lot of those women are not experiencing that and yeah. i know that they're scratching their head like why? Why is this happening? And so it's like trying to make that connection with these women to say, well, you know what, we're here and we're here to educate you about your options and really trying to get you on the path so that you can be empowered to have the kind of birth that you deserve and that you really want because you're making the decision rather than all these decisions just to be made for you. Right. So you're empowering women and advocating your Absolutely. As an advocate, yeah. and that's how you can make change. Yeah. You yeah. can affect change. PR and I have talked um, about this when <coughs> we've talked about childbirth education and, you know, again, <coughs> our very differing, you know, she was always talking about when she was looking at childbirth education and she was like, well, it was expensive. And it was like that or diapers. And right. so, you know, so she sort of made her choice. Whereas, you know, my, it was almost like it was given to me on a platter right. somewhat. Like I had people offering, oh, please, can you, do you want to come to my childbirth class? Mm -hmm. And it's free. And it's, you know, and it's, it, that's so backwards, you right. know? Right. Um, and so I guess my question is, what can we do as a community and especially in this state to get access to doulas, to childbirth mm -hmm. education and to, um, these resources for women, like what, what can we do? What can the listener do 
that kind of thing. Yep. So there are a lot of different things that are going on right now um, as far as legislation is concerned. Uh, we have been really active in trying to get the state to um, reimburse doulas for their services mm -hmm. um, being paid through Medicaid so that awesome. families who can't afford the services will still be able to access it if they choose. Mm -hmm. So every family who wants a doula should be able to have a doula. Yes. Um, some of the other things, um, when we speak at Yale, they ask us, you know, what can we do? Um, and they are just little things that people can do. And that could be to sponsor a person to become doula trained. Mm. Um, it could be to sponsor a mother so that she can have childbirth education classes. Mm -hmm. And it could just be spreading the word through social media and hashtags. Yeah. Um, just to bring some awareness to the issue mm -hmm. and, um, to allow people to realize that this is an issue. Right. Yeah. How are you guys? Pay How are you paid? How out of pocket? Out of Always out of pocket. Yep. yep. Insurance covers none of this. No. Are there any grants or anything for the state of Connecticut? Um, there <laughs> is. Um, well, we recently received some funding from the March of Dimes. Awesome. Um, so they are really supportive of doulas mm -hmm. and they want to make change. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, and so we are working with the United Way and Bridgeport Prospers to um, develop a doula program to mm -hmm. at least provide some services to some of the families in the community and to also educate people about doulas and the benefits. Um, there are some other grants. Um, New Haven Healthy Start is looking to do a doula program. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that there are many others. But hopefully that is just in the interim until Medicaid can actually kick in mm -hmm. um, and start to pick up that tab. Um, mm -hmm. In Bridgeport, for example, over 60 percent of the population is on Medicaid. Right. Mm. And Bridgeport has some really poor outcomes. So um, those are the families who kind of need us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, you know, sometimes I like to speak to the LGBTQIA population. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also a part of the population of people who have uteruses that could benefit from added mm -hmm. support during right. pregnancy, labor, and the postpartum process. You know, something about um, being in the birth community is very cisgendered, heteronormative, mm -hmm. and as we've sort of already said, like whitewashed. You know, it's, it's sort right. of like this picture right. that you get when you look at, um, when you think of these things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, in my own experience in my community, I've found that a lot of people, um, especially right now, like I have a, a quite a few lesbian couples that are looking for doula support. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is as simple as having someone there to clarify maybe what this person's pronouns are. Right. Or, you know, you'll hear a, a slip of the tongue from a nurse who says, oh, yeah, I'll go grab dad. Right. When it's when it's a lesbian couple and it's like, right. hello, it is not dad, you know, and to sort of clarify maybe like what language and, mm -hmm. and, and also, um, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, many people in uh, this community can also have histories of things like sexual assault. Right. Um, and so I think having that support and having mm -hmm. someone there to kind of talk them through it, to be a communicator. Mm -hmm. Some people shut down totally. So Absolutely. again, you know, I've, I've had so many wonderful experiences with uh, doulas as support where they've been able to bridge that gap for women and kind of know ahead of time what their hopes are and sort of help, um, yeah, communicate with the providers and, and the birth team. And I think that's huge. Do you guys have any experience with the LGBTQIA plus population or do you have any, you know, ideas about it in our area? Right. So I think um, that 
it is something that's being talked about a lot in the birth world mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that we are inclusive of everyone and whoever it is that needs support or wants support can actually have um, competent support. Yeah. And so although we have not had many LGBTQ families um, that have access to serve them, we are training to do so. Awesome. So a, a lot of our doulas are um, passionate about being able to do that mm-hmm. and being able to do it effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, being an ally. I mean, being an ally, and and ultimately, you know, anybody should be able to care for anyone because the the role of a doula is to support. Doesn't matter who right. it is, right. um, but to have that extra drive and um, particular interest Mm -hmm. in caring for those families Mm -hmm. is something that we do encourage our doulas to do is to find out what it is that you're interested in. And so those who are really interested in caring for teen moms Mm -hmm. or maybe families who have gone through abuse or LGBTQ, we always Mm -hmm. try to support that. And we're always looking for um, extra opportunities to train as well. So not just with us, but to go even further Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, when they come, we're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That sounds great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it makes me want to go back. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not going back and doing it again. Neither am I. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Y- you were a doula, right? Yeah, well, so definitely in my sort of experience, I always knew I wanted to focus on women and women's health in general. And of course, now that has changed to just in general, people with uteruses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very into it. And luckily, my partner was very supportive. And I did, you know, have my stint in being a doula, which I think a lot of midwives do. Mm-hmm. Um I really had the opportunity, and again, I think, um, Sayana, you sort of spoke to this on being there for people like my sister, like my best friends, mm-hmm. like these people who maybe needed it and bridging that gap for them and, mm-hmm. and being right. able to be that support and helping their partner figure out how to support and what they can do right. and giving them practical suggestions. Um, you know, I think something else that is really helpful as you're becoming a midwife, and I know that's part of your journey, is also just knowing how to delegate support and comfort (laughs) measures and things like that. Because as you uh, both well know, when things start and when labor and birth Mm -hmm. starts, it feels 100% like something's wrong. And to someone who loves the person who's going through it, Mm -hmm. it also appears that something's Mm -hmm. wrong. And nine times out of 10, it is the simplest thing of just being like, you're okay, right? baby's okay, right. this is fine, and giving practical suggestions. You know what? Why don't we try to get in the shower for a bit? And right. then when they're starting to, to get out of control or scared, you say, okay, that's okay. Why don't we do that? You know, and just <laughs> exactly. having the, that kind of like bag of tricks to pull from. <laughs> right. um, and so for me, that's been a huge piece. And, and I certainly have a very diversified population of women and people that I care for. Mm-hmm. And many, many, many of them I do find because I do work in hospital births. Um, many of them do actually choose to have pain medication, which right. I'm very supportive of as well. But there's right. still things you can do, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's a little bit of mine. What was your doula experience, PR? I, well, I told you that I was only selected by people who look like me. And um, I would let you doula the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> they mostly, um, it, it, I was like an interpreter because mm. they basic, 
things were happening and they didn't understand the language necessarily or what was going on. And so that's what I, because I'm bilingual anyway, Mm -hmm. that's how I came up with the metaphor of saying that I was an interpreter because I was basically, um, you know, kind of helping them to, to understand the phases. And even though these are people who had been called from childbirth classes, uh, it wasn't um, what they... People take different things from classes. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Right. Just like school, any class. That's in true. A sc- and the teacher thinks that they've taught a certain thing and how it was received and taken in and processed was, depends mm-hmm. totally on the individual. And so that's what I spent a lot of time doing. I think what's interesting is going into, you know, I've never done a home birth. I've always been, um, I've always done hospital births. And when I was doing my midwifery training, you know, folks were like, oh, you, you're learning all this high tech stuff and whatever. And I said, well, you know, a lot of my people have a lot of problems, medical mm-hmm. problems, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to take care of them. They also, I feel, have the right to have that kind of midwifery care. Right. But I want to be able to speak to right. it. So that's fine. And in the same way, um, being a doula and going into the home, I feel like some folks would not have wanted to go into some of the homes. Um, mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. particular you know, case, I went into the home and um, I was giving her support and her husband, honestly, he was the whole time he was slinging outside in the front of the house. Slinging means mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. dealing. Right. And so he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's up, he's down, he's in. People come in, people come out. And she's trying to labor in the midst mm-hmm. of all that. And uh. so I think that it, a certain people would have been fearful. Horrified. <laughs> yes, horrified <laughs> and true. fearful. Yeah. And to a point I was too, but I also felt like <laughs> he was in on the decision to have me be there. Right. And I felt like he would protect like I felt so to some degree protected right. mm-hmm. um, at one point I, I thought about it some and at one point I remember someone coming upstairs to their home and him saying get out of here get out of here this something's going on you can't be in here mm-hmm. and and scooting that person out and I thought he's he's trying that's his effort to protect mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. And well, that was his role. That was his support role, uh, right? It was to right. kind of take care of that piece. And right. And I guess other. mine yeah. was to take care of her and to mm-hmm. comfort her while as her labor was progressing. Right. And I saw it all the way through to the end till we went transferred to the hospital and he shut down shop. Mm-hmm. And then we <laughs> went to the hospital. <laughs> right. Then he was totally focused. Right. And then at that point, I kind of coached him on things he could do. Yeah. Right. Like, why don't you do this? Why don't you? Put right. some ice on, do right. whatever. <laughs> and so um, so that he came out, you know, looking like a king. Right. And, and that's what their relationship, that was good for them. Right. I, you know, it doesn't, but it was um, really an adventure, let's yeah. say. It sounds like it. An adventure that I don't, I don't know that any old doula mm-hmm. could have tolerated. That's true. Like, that's true. No, you weren't here in Connecticut, though. You're... I was indeed. <laughs> oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. I All was right. indeed. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. In wow. my favorite place, the inner city, which you is know, where I live. Yeah. It makes me think about what was probably going on in his head. He's probably like, okay, I know that we have to go to the hospital, so I'm going to have to pay for a cab to get home. I'm going to have yeah. to make sure that there are diapers here. I'm going to have to make sure there's mm-hmm. food in the house and that the bills are paid and the lights are on. Yeah. Right. So you know what? It's not my job to judge you, bruh. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's what you got to do. That's right. right. Let's just make sure that he this baby gets here safely. He that's my job. Making money, right, yeah. so that everybody could eat. Wow. So anyways, yeah. yeah. No, I. they did their thing. I was not a postpartum doula, so after that, family. You didn't have to go back. <laughs> right. After that, you were like, you were like, you are all set. <laughs> family. Take care now. But they made a point of staying in contact and like, this yeah. is the baby's doing yeah. well and mm-hmm. this and that and we couldn't have done it without they you. They appreciated and your care. When right. I would incidentally run into them, she delivered our baby. I know I did not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know. You did that. The whole right. There was a positive experience yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think that about wraps it up for what we had. Was there anything that you guys wanted to plug, tell us about, upcoming events, things we can do? This is your chance. Yeah. So yeah, there is a hashtag that you can follow, doulas4ct, oh. the number four. Uh-huh. Um, and if you follow the page doulas for connecticut on Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. you'll also be able to get some updates on what's going on with the Medicaid bill. Awesome. Um, we will be having some public hearings coming up where you can come and testify in person. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you can't, then you can um, write a written testimony mm-hmm. and that can potentially even be read to the legislators on the day of the public hearing. Awesome. Um, and if not, they'll at least be able to read it. Yeah. Um, and we need as many people as possible to write in support to make sure that the bill does go through. When is this coming up? Um, we don't have a date yet, but we're thinking it's going to be the 16th and 17th of March. Okay. Um, it's usually That's around soon. that time. Yes. Yeah. So soon. Things are happening pretty quickly. Well, we mm-hmm. will definitely hashtag you. Yes. We will definitely follow you. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, our page is Earth's Natural Touch, Birth Care and Beyond on Facebook mm-hmm. or Facebook.com slash Earth Doulas. And on Instagram, it's Earth's Natural Touch. Um, and you can get updates there as well. Um, and then our doula is going to be graduating in June. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have a date yet, but look out for that. You all are welcome. But the to forum come. that's happening in Bridgeport. Oh, right. Yeah. We have a, a, a doula a community um, day where we're going to be talking about doulas. Um, and I think it's going to be the week of World Doula Week, the, which is the last week in last March. Week. It's on yeah. a Wednesday. Oh, okay. okay. Um, it will be in Bridgeport at Housatonic Community College. And we're just going to be talking to the community more about doulas, more of those statistics, more information that they can get about doula care and how to find a doula and things like that. So we're hoping that a lot of people come out to learn about doula support. Yep. It's free. Yeah. Just come out. Yeah, it's free. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's so great. Thank you both so, so, so much. We are so appreciative to have you here. Thank so you. Thank, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules and coming up from, you know, I know it wasn't right here. You're local, but not totally right. local. <laughs> so we appreciate that and making the time. It took us a little while to get together because we were yes. coordinating schedules, but finally it came to fruition. Yes. Right. And, perfect. Um, and this indeed may not be the last discussion that we have on this topic right. because like I said, we just scratched the surface, yes. but we did want to um, put this out there for our listeners and um, we asked them to reach back out to us and tell us what they would like to hear more of and Uh, make comments on this episode for sure. Um, Before that, we'd like to thank Baobab Tree Studios, 
Rev. Kev, Amen, our friends, family, and all of you who make this podcast possible. That is right. And please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Android, and newly iHeartRadio. Woo! <laughs> um, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you like us, follow us, make sure you leave us a review. Um, you can get us on Facebook and Instagram at the Midwife Crisis Podcast or email us at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, don't be afraid to find people to support you and give you love and comfort. Amen. And the best protection from all kinds of things, lavate las manos, wash your hands. Bye. Adios. Adios.